Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. My name is Tyler Hunt. On today's show, we've got plenty to talk about in the basketball regard. Unfortunately for Wisconsin, a high point of the season, a fun, exciting game against Colgate, and then a couple days later, really one of the low points and the end of the Wisconsin basketball season. A tough game on the eyes, a tough way to end a season. It was a very winnable basketball game if you could buy any sort of bucket. So we'll talk about both of those contests kind of wrap up the Wisconsin basketball season and put a bow on what was an interesting year. And then we'll kind of reflect and look back on what the year was, what this team was, and kind of maybe give you guys a glimpse into next year because there's certainly likely to be some big changes with this team. So certainly a disappointing end, and we'll kind of see the ramifications from that. After some basketball talk, we'll get into some football discussion. Spring football starts up Tuesday, so we'll talk to you guys about some headlines and questions to look at as spring ball gets started. It's certainly been a busy offseason for Wisconsin. They brought in some transfers on the defensive side. They've had plenty of coaching uh, mix-up and changes. We've got a little bit of news to talk about on there. So spring football, certainly an exciting time to finally start to see the building blocks of this upcoming season. You're not going to likely know the exact starters, but you're going to start to see the new faces, see some guys back out in the field, which is always a fun time. Now that you get into basketball and if your team is out of the NCAA tournament like ours is in Wisconsin, it kind of shifts into that dead period of summer and the dog days of summer. And then after spring football, it's kind of a weird little mix. So this will be your first glance at the next year's Wisconsin football team, which I think will be fun to dive into. So we'll talk about some spring football storylines to look for. But first, let's talk some basketball and we'll start with the Colgate contest because I don't want to overlook what was a fun game in Milwaukee for the Badgers in that opening round. Colgate, a, a very tough team. We talked about it in the last episode as we kind of previewed it, was a team that could come out and shoot and knock down their, their shots. And they certainly did that, but Wisconsin uh, buttoned things up really well in the second half. If you look at the way the Badgers played, I think the testimony of this team was once again their strong defensive effort, which we've seen the Wisconsin team be built on throughout the course of the season. And they did a great job in that front in terms of 
running a really hot and and solid shooting team in Colgate off the three-point line, making it tough on them. The second half defensive effort was, I think, one of the best halves of defensive basketball this Wisconsin basketball team has played all season long. And additionally, while the defense was great and suffocating and ran this team off the three-point line, you also saw a really solid game once again from Johnny Davis, who continued to show that he's a superstar. And in that contest, when it was tight and late, tight late and, and really coming down to the wire, Wisconsin buttoned things up defensively. And then on the offensive end, they gave the ball to Johnny Davis and said, hey, hey, come out and win this game for us. Because we saw it in later in the weekend when, off, when this Wisconsin offense struggles, they can get into a little bit of a disaster mode. And, and Johnny Davis just kind of willed this team to victory in that opening round. So really, I know the highlight of the weekend, or I should say the low light, is that Iowa State contest and, and the way it unfolded and the ugliness of that basketball game. But I don't want to just glance over and skip over what was a really thrilling opening round victory and a solid performance from Wisconsin in that opening round against Colgate. But unfortunately, as I mentioned, that game kind of gets overshadowed in a, in a big way by the Iowa State and Wisconsin really clunker back and forth between these two teams. So let's go ahead and just dive into that Iowa State game now. I mean, you look at this contest, really not pretty from either team. I, I really think that this Iowa State team is a team that's going to be going to the Sweet 16, and they won the game to get there. But, man, that does not look like a Sweet 16 team in any way, shape, or form. And, frankly, I don't want to hate on Iowa State, but I think whoever they meet, I believe they play, they'll play Miami in the Sweet 16. That's a team that should run them out of the gym, just similar to what Wisconsin would do if they could knock down any sort of offensive shot. But, really, Wisconsin, in this contest, it was a very winnable game. Iowa State, they, they had some good moments. Gabe Kalashore was a guy that seemed to not be able to miss, but really this game was a game that Wisconsin will look at, and it's it's kind of self-inflicted wounds. I mean, you're looking at this team. They've been a poor shooting team all season long. It's it's nothing new. Wisconsin's been, in every sort of offensive metric, uh, below average in a lot of those areas, and, and that reared its ugly head big time um, for Wisconsin on Sunday afternoon. When you look at the three-point shooting, two of 22 that's 9% from beyond the arc. And a team that doesn't shoot the ball well, you're going to have to knock down some of those threes. You can't shoot 9% from beyond the arc and expect to win any sort of basketball game. And the remarkable part is Wisconsin was in that game really throughout, despite being ice cold from beyond the arc and really poor uh, from the field. You really look back and, and you know a guy like Johnny Davis, who's been a pretty consistent shooter all season long, missed all seven of his three points or three-point attempts. Stephen Crowell missed three. Ben Carlson, Jacoby Neath, all of them were missing, and, and some by a wide margin. I mean, there was a few games or a few shots that went up there that weren't even close, clanking off the backboard and, and really struggling uh, to even come close to hitting the net or the rim. Even, you know, <laughs> well, of course, the other thing to talk about is Chucky Hepburn went down in this game. They had to turn to Isaac Lindsay. He got up in there and, and played 10 minutes and, and fired a three-pointer as soon as he got in the game. Unfortunately, was not able to click. I mean, Wisconsin just could not catch fire from the three-point line, could not get anything to go. And that doesn't even, we're not even, we're just talking about the three-point arc. We haven't even talked about the two-point field goals, which were, were hard-pressed to come by as well in this contest. So really, it's been a problem for Wisconsin all season long. They haven't shot the ball well. There's been times where they've been streaky with knocking down some shots, but they've always been a team that when you look at March Madness, when you look at how you can survive and advance in this tournament, they were always a team that was going to be 
a team that could be picked off in these early rounds if they run into these poor shooting performances. And the Badgers, they certainly did that. I mean, you just you need to knock down shots. Eventually, it's going to come to a time where poor shooting performances are going to come to a head. And if you're not putting the basket or the ball in the basket consistently, it's this is likely the end result. So Wisconsin Wall. The refing, the the refereeing was bad. They were shorthanded without Chucky Hepper, and that was clearly a big impact for them. They can't really blame anyone else than themselves. And being in the inability to knock down shots consistently is is what did them in. And that's what the, when they've had poor performances this season, it's likely it's usually been because the ball just wasn't going in the basket. And they weren't knocking down shots enough and in, in enough procession to uh, survive in advance in this tournament. So it's a disappointing end in that regard, but. That's the way college basketball goes, and if you have one off shooting night, the other team, while not really playing all that great and, and not really a team that I think is uh, all that talented, the team that bows up on the defensive end and knocks down enough shots to win can survive in this tournament, and that's what we saw from Iowa State on Sunday evening. And in Wisconsin, like I've said, this is a team that has struggled to shoot the ball consistently all season long, but the other big thing that really did them in was the turnovers. You're looking at a Wisconsin team that had 17 turnovers in this contest, and that's their worst since January 23rd of 2019. So an unremarkably bad game on the offensive end. It was it was a poor shooting performance, but you can't turn the ball over on 25% of your possessions and miss every other shot or miss more than every other shot consistently. I mean, this was a, just an offensive game and an offensive struggle from the start and throughout. And Wisconsin, while uncharacteristically doesn't turn the ball over that much. Now, credit to Iowa State's defense. They're a team that we talked about at last episode. Top 10 in terms of Ken Palm, adjusted defensive rating. They play some good defense, and they had a really good game plan. They doubled a lot. Wisconsin looked incredibly shaky and confused at times when when Iowa State went to the double. They were extending their defense and, and really doing a good job to pester the Badgers. But Wisconsin just, you got to hang on to the basketball, and you've got to put it in the net. And they didn't do either of those, and, and really – they put together one of their worst performances in, in years in both of those regards. So when you do that, it, it's kind of incredible that Wisconsin, when you look at these numbers and you look at these after the fact, was even in this contest. And, and, and you know, this was a game that was a five-point game with a few minutes left, and you're thinking, man, Wisconsin, a few more buckets, a few more cleaner possessions at the offensive end, they could have certainly benefited and, and been a game that could they still could be a team that was playing next weekend if they were able to clean up some of those mistakes but you can't afford to do what the Wisconsin Badgers did in that game and expect to move on so it's an unfortunate end for the Badgers but that's just kind of the way it goes when you play that poorly offensively of course the other major impactful thing in this contest was the injury of Chucky Hepburn and and really that was the thing that that stood out and and really just shows how unbelievable Chucky Hepburn is and how big he is for this team early you know I guess later in the second half, about five minutes left, uh, Chucky Hepburn went down with an ankle injury, landed awkwardly, was clearly in a lot of pain, and was helped to the locker room, did not return um, until the second half, and he came back uh, on the bench with a walking boot on. And, and it was clear that he was very much missed. Now, again, credit to Iowa State's defense. They did a great job in doubling and making things tough and flustered Wisconsin, but Wisconsin clearly missed their floor general type guy in Chucky Hepburn. I mean, he's a guy that can settle that offense down and really allow them to run through some more of their sets and, and be a ball handler, bring the ball up the court and kind of get their offense started. And you saw how impactful it is that he wasn't out there in that second half. Wisconsin was clearly flustered without him. And that's really huge marks to a guy like Chucky Hepburn who came into season as a true freshman, 
you were wondering how much he was going to play. And the way he emerged in terms of a guy that early in the season started out playing great defense, handling the ball, not really scoring offensively, to now the floor general and a guy that Wisconsin clearly couldn't play without, it just shows you the development of him. And it really just pains, I would imagine, a lot of Badger fans out there that saw him go down. You could see the pain on his face having to sit there. He just looked so flustered and, and so emotional that he wasn't able to be out there with his guys. So certainly a tough end for him. And, and it was clear that Wisconsin was, was very much missing everything that he provided for this team. So it's unfortunate, and we certainly hope that Chucky Hepburn is able to. We haven't, I haven't seen any updates in terms of the injury, in terms of where he's at what it's going to mean for you know into next season unfortunately for him if it's a major injury this is now you're into late march and now you're going to be going in, into the summer where it's going to be possibly some sort of rehab process we don't know what the injury is and what's going to unfold but greg guard mentioned he's in a lot of pain and you could see that in his eyes you could see that when he was down on the floor so an unfortunate end for him there but hopefully he can come back strong for this team next season because he's likely going to be the piece that you look to as kind of the building block for the Badgers going into next year. So there you have it. With that, Wisconsin season comes to an end. Uh, It's really an unfortunate end for the Badgers. I think many expected this team after the season that they put together to possibly be a second weekend type team. And and I did as well. Many thought that they could get to the Sweet 16, maybe even, you know, pick off a game there. But these cold shooting nights, these poor offensive shooting nights make you a team that is dangerous to be upset there was reasons why teams were you know people were picking Colgate to upset them in the first round and I think some of those offensive woes just kind of bit them you know in a tough spot in the second round because I don't want to keep sounding like a broken record but Iowa State was a team that really didn't play all that well but they survived they did enough to win they knocked down enough shots they had one guy that they could really go to and and Gabe Kalisher that really killed them in this game and and sends Wisconsin into their offseason so in the grand scheme of things for this Wisconsin basketball team, what does this season look like? How do you measure it? I think that's kind of an important question to ask and, and reflect on. I mean, when you look at it from the beginning, coming into the off, you know, off season, coming into the season, I know both myself, Matt, and everyone on this on B5Q staff and, and many media pundits around the country and around the Big Ten and around Wisconsin didn't really have high expectations for this team. So for them to come in and, and win a share of the Big Ten is remarkable and it was a great season it was a lot of fun to watch but it still leaves a sour taste in your mouth when you meet those when you beat those expectations that you have that's great but I think that also raises the bar for you as you move forward and and to have higher expectations going into the postseason so it's hard to really say is is this a is this season a disappointment is it a resounding success I think it's a little bit of both I think this season showed you that hey you had a lot of success with the guys that you have, and winning a share of the Big Ten title is nothing to scoff at. And this team won 25 games. They deserve a lot of credit. They were a very good basketball team. But this is certainly a disappointing end for the Badgers. And as they look into the next season, it's a tough way to finish when you look at, you now have the finishing of, of Brad Davison's career, who certainly there's mixed emotions around him, but he's been a player for six years at Wisconsin that's given everything he's had. He's been a hustle guy. He's been a scorer. He's had a lot of big moments for Wisconsin. And he'll certainly be one that will be missed. He was a really nice piece for Wisconsin this year and and over the course of his career. And then, of course, when you look at it, a large portion of why this team got to the level they were is because of Johnny Davis. And now the future around him, I don't expect him to be back with Wisconsin next season. I, As much as I'd love to see him back in a Badger uniform, 
He looks like he's a lottery pick this year in the NBA draft, and there's really nothing more I think he can do for Wisconsin. Certainly he could come back and, and compete and try and go to that next level and, and move on in the NCAA tournament, but you've got a chance to be a lottery pick at the NBA. I think it'd be crazy for him to, to come back in that regard. So it's a disappointing end when you look at it, when you had the potential there to bow out early in this tournament in a game you should have won, but that's the way this thing goes, and, and essentially that's the breaks of, of, of college basketball. Any team can lose on any night, and we've seen it uh, throughout the course of this tournament already. However, you still have to turn the page to next year, and I think this team, while it was a disappointing end for this year, I think you are almost set up in a position where you feel better going into next year despite the departures that Wisconsin's going to have. As I just mentioned, you're going to be without Brad Davis, and you're likely going to be without Johnny Davis, but I think you feel a little bit better. You know, This past year, you came into the season with no expectations, and now you're going to look at it and say, okay, the two big producing guards for this team are going to be gone. But I still think you feel better than where you felt this past year coming in. You've got Chucky Hepburn, who's clearly a guy that is going to develop into even more than what he was you know, early in this season. He, he's a guy that is going to be a floor general for Wisconsin for years to come. I think you feel good about what you have in Stephen Crowell. I think you feel good about what you've got in, in a lot of different other places. I think you can look at a guy like Jordan Davis could develop into something. You still have Tyler Wall, who's going to be a solid forward for you. So... It's not all doom and gloom for Wisconsin basketball as you look into the glimpse of the future, I think. And I think that's a nice part to note that throughout this season, you saw development from Crowell. You saw development from Hepburn. You've got some guys that I think you can work into the rotation. And clearly, Greg Gard has a system. He's got players that are bought in. And the expectations might still be fairly low coming into next year, but I think you've got some solid pieces on where maybe you could once again exceed those expectations. That's a common occurrence with Wisconsin basketball, Wisconsin football as well. They seem to do a little bit more with less, and I think going into next year, and as you look forward, we're not going to spend too much time on that, but I think you're going to look to and, and feel like you have some promise for this Wisconsin basketball team next year as well. So as I said, we won't spend too much time looking at next year, but I, I think you'll you'll see that over the course of this kind of slow summer season. We'll look forward and kind of dive deeper into some of that. Really now, a lot of the attention for Wisconsin athletics turns to football, and specifically spring football. So with that starting up on Tuesday, we'll go ahead and get you guys some storylines to look for as we get into the spring football season, what you can look for offensively, what you can look for defensively as we try to get some answers on what this team will look like next season. Before we do that, I've got to talk to you guys about HomeFieldApparel.com. If you haven't already looked at it, Home Field Apparel has plenty of cool and new schools. They just finished up Big New Saturday Season 3 where they featured a ton of schools like Kansas, UCLA, Illinois, Gonzaga, Cincinnati, and Villanova. And they also had their March Mania that just wrapped up. So make sure to go over and check them out, HomeFieldApparel.com. Additionally, the newest thing they rolled out is St. Peter's uh, basketball t-shirt. So if you aren't familiar with the dandy of March and you want to hand, hop on that bandwagon, uh, St. Peter's is a team that you could certainly get an, a new t-shirt from on the Home Field Apparel website. So go over and check them out. Pick yourself up a Peacock t-shirt at homefieldapparel.com. All right, getting into some football now. It feels like it's been a while since we've talked Wisconsin football at any sort of length when you look at this team of course it's a lot has happened this offseason you've got coaching changes transfer portals in and out you've got a ton of new faces that are going to be part of this team so this spring season will kind of be the first glance at what this team will be and, and certainly spring football is kind of a unique 
thing. You're not going to see them, you know, going out and scrimmaging the ones versus the ones and getting ready for full game mode. You're going to see more drill work, more implementation. But when you look at that, implementation is going to be a huge thing for Wisconsin football this offseason. And that's probably the number one storyline to look for on the offensive side of the ball is what this offense will look like under new offensive coordinator Bobby Ingram. If you're unfamiliar, Ingram comes to Wisconsin after being a part of the NFL and the Baltimore Ravens for multiple seasons as the tight ends coach and wide receivers coach. Of course, he was part the new piece that came in after Joe Rudolph left for Virginia Tech this offseason. And Ingram comes in to try and give a new spin on what Wisconsin football will do. So I think the big question is, what is Bobby Ingram going to be bringing to this Wisconsin offense that's maybe somewhat different and somewhat unique to his personal style and and how will he build that and form that with what Wisconsin already does well. In his opening presser, Ingram mentioned that running the football well is important, using the play action is important, and being multiple and doing a lot of different things offensively, but doing them well. He said, for me, it's a bringing in a fresh look in my own sense of creativity to what's already been proven successful here. And I think that kind of hits the nail on the head of what Badger fans are going to be kind of looking for with this offense. You look at Bobby Ingram, he's going to be a guy that, and similar to many other coaches that come in, Wisconsin football has a style that they're going to win and that they've won with for decades, started by Barry Alvarez. But the game of football has evolved, and you can't consistently just go back to the well and not expect other teams to make adjustments. I think the common word for Wisconsin's offense the last few years has kind of been stale. And I think for the Badgers, if you want to, you're never going to fully go away from the principles that have gotten you to this point and made Wisconsin a top 15 program consistently. But you're never going to get to that level that you want to get to with the the big blue bloods across the country and competing for playoffs and national championships without making adjustments as necessary. And I think Wisconsin knew and saw that some adjustments offensively would be necessary. And I think Bobby Ingram is going to be a guy that can come in and bring some schemes from the NFL that he's felt is successful, bring his own creativity, and mix that with the pillars of Wisconsin football that have gotten them to this point and hopefully give this offense a new fresh look. So when you're talking about storylines, I think that has to be the main storyline for this team and and really, of course, this offense, but the team as a whole when you look at spring football. Now, we're not going to be able to get a huge glimpse of what they're going to do in terms of scheme until they actually take the field on September 3rd, but I think you'll at least maybe get some hints. You're not going to probably hear a lot you know, in terms of media availability. There's not a ton, but you'll at least maybe start to see some rumblings and, and see what this Wisconsin offense might try to do differently and where Bobby Ingram kind of feels strongly about who and, and, and what they're kind of doing philosophy as well as players. You know, Bobby Ingram, we're not sure if he's going to be calling the plays, if Paul Chris is going to be calling the plays, but it's clear that Bobby Ingram, in terms of his contract, in terms of what he's coming in to do, is is a guy that's going to have a lot of impactful decisions. So it's going to be interesting to see where he kind of takes this offense to and what they can bring this team to because you're certainly going to have a strong defense, but the offense after last year needs to be a lot better. And I think Bobby Ingram's a guy that can bring some new wrinkles to try and, and, and elevate this team to where they want to get to. The new offense is probably going to be the main storyline for Wisconsin football fans. I think the number, maybe 1B of in terms of storylines, is where is Graham Mertz in terms of his progression into being hopefully a better quarterback. We all have our opinions on Graham Mertz. I know last year the the hype around him and, and since his early in his recruitment and his commitment to Wisconsin has been high. And last year by by any way, shape, or form you measure it was a disappointment. And I think he'd be the first to admit that. But now it's how does he rebound 
in terms of that disappointment and where does he go from there? Does he elevate to being a better player or do we know what Graham Mertz is and and this is what he's going to be and we have to try and build around that for the future? I don't know. I still think there's still plenty of potential in there. I think a little bit more creative offense might help him, but I don't I still think that there was some overhypeness myself guilty of it included that maybe makes us have to temper our expectations of Graham Mertz coming into this year. So where he's at in terms of his development now, coming into now being in the program for multiple years, playing a ton of football versus being a young kid that you you know you had that excuse built in, you no longer have that. So I think where Graham Mertz is at, and, and certainly he'll be a guy that's going to come in and, and have a bit of a chip on his shoulder. You had the whole offseason, everyone getting excited for Caleb Williams. He's going to come out and try and prove that he's the guy that we all thought he was coming out of high school. And and that's going to be a lot to prove. There's, it's certainly some mending that will need to be made up. There's There's been some disappointing plays, but there's also been some great throws from him that we are, we'll talk about all offseason. You think back to Arizona State, you know that some of those throws that he made in that bowl game, the potential is there. But can he reach that new level and be a productive quarterback in the Big Ten West? Or is Graham Mertz just where he's at and that's what we have to try and work with nobody really knows but maybe getting some fresh glimpses of him in this new offense in terms of moving forward here will be one of the big storylines to watch on the offensive side of the football to go along with that though it's not going to be all on Graham Merch's shoulders and you're certainly going to have some big pieces that you're going to have to replace on the offense alongside him to help bring that production up and, and some new wrinkles in that offense, you're going to have to find players to work with. You, you certainly have Braylon Allen, who's going to be your feature guy, no doubt about it. He's, he's one of the best running backs in college football throughout the course of this season. But who is going to replace and, and make some plays in this offense? When you look at Jake Ferguson's going to be gone. You, your top pass catchers have all departed. You've got Kendrick Pryor, Danny Davis, Jack Dunn all gone. So there's going to be new faces catching passes from Graham Mertz. And, and hopefully those combos can kind of take an elevated leap, and that's going to be something to certainly watch for. Mertz has clearly had a connection with wideout Chimray DK. He's a guy that could be in the mix there, but other than that, you've got a UCLA transfer in Kentez Lewis. Could he come in and make a connection with Graham Mertz as a big, taller receiver with a good frame, a kind of a possession guy? Certainly. Does someone step up in the tight end room with Jack Eschenbach? Does he does, does he all of a sudden jump up to a Jake Ferguson level? I can't imagine that yet, but maybe there's there's potential there for him as well as other guys in, in Clay Cundiff, Cam Large. What is D, where does Dean Ingram you know kind of fit into this mix as well? So additionally, there's a lot on Graham Mertz, and that's going to be a big storyline, but there's going to be a lot on this offense as a whole. I think that's something to certainly pay attention to at the wide receiver room, at the tight end room. Someone's going to have to step up along with him. It's not going to – it's not just – this offense point to the quarterback and say that's the problem. There was all sorts of problems, and and I think he's going to have to be a you know this entire offense as a, this revival as a whole is going to be something to watch for. And, and wide receiver and tight end will certainly be a big part of that as well. The final big storyline that I'll be watching for in terms of the offensive side of the ball is going to be the offensive line, Bob Bostad, and how that group kind of meshes and hopefully takes a step forwards because. We talk about principles of Wisconsin football, things that you want to build upon and work towards. Having a strong offensive line can is, is the main focal point. Certainly great running backs and running the ball well is a portion, but that doesn't happen without a strong offensive line. And we saw some glimpses of a good group last year. We also saw some games that they didn't play up to the standard that Wisconsin wanted. And that's probably part of the reason why Joe Rudolph left for Virginia Tech 
Was he maybe nudged to look for another job? We don't know. But now you're going to be bringing Bob Bostad back, who has put together a really good track record on this offensive line in terms of producing some physical and nasty fronts that really can dominate a Wisconsin football run game. So to have him back at that spot, how does this offensive line gel? Who kind of emerges? Who takes on that persona that Bostad's going to try to implement is certainly going to be a fun storyline to watch for offensively. You've got plenty of guys back that will will be ready. You've got Beach, you've got Jack Nelson, you've got plenty of pieces to build on the offensive line, and you've got some young recruits that have battled for spots as well. So you've got you know highly touted guys in, in Wedig and, and Nelson and Riley Mullman and Logan Brown. There's all sorts of guys that are going to be in this this room, but who can kind of take on that Bob Bosa mentality of, of nasty fronts that are going to be physical and ready to play football is going to be a fun, link, a fun thing to watch for. So just seeing him kind of get back at that culture and of the offensive line I think is going to be a really fun storyline, and to see how this group kind of emerges and gets better I think will be a lot of fun to watch for because I would expect, you know, he's been a guy that's been a part of huge and great offensive lines and he's been a main piece of that coaching this group up so if he can get them back to that similar level to where Wisconsin football was going when they were really clicking run on the ball with these strong up strong guys up front I think they're really it's going to be a fun offense to watch for as you move forward under Bob Bostead and hopefully getting the tenacity of this offensive line back to where they want it to be in terms of storylines to watch for I think the offensive side of the football certainly has more to look for you've got a new offense coordinator, you've got position coaches switching around a little bit, you've got new faces that are going to be emerging, you've got guys that you want to really take a step up, and that'll be the main storyline, but there's still plenty of storylines to look for defensively. Maybe not as pressing, but still plenty of stuff to pay attention to, so we'll switch gears now to the defensive side of the ball, and we look at defensively, I think the big thing that you're going to look for in terms of the storylines and, and what you're going to watch for is going to be at that inside linebacker position. If you pay attention to Wisconsin football, you know that they're going to have two big depart that they had two big departures in Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel. Those two led the team in tackles this past year with a combined 173 total tackles for Wisconsin. So that's massive shoes and production that'll have to be filled with some guys that, frankly, haven't got a lot of reps. You've seen the last couple of years when Chanel and Sanborn were good to go. They were going to be out there 99% of the time, and when one of them needed a blow or was injured or unavailable, you know, and you had Chanel because of COVID, Mike Mascalunas was the guy that stepped in there. He's gone as well. So really all your inside linebacker production from last year is going to be something that you're going to have to replace. And you also now, as we just mentioned, Bob Bostead, formerly the inside linebacker coach, now moving to offensive line. So you've got a new inside linebackers coach in Bill Sheridan who's going to have to figure out which guys he's going to piece there, and he doesn't really have a veteran to rely on. There's certainly some names in the mix. You look at last year, Jordan Turner was a guy that played well, only recorded a couple tackles, but had two interceptions. You've also got guys like Mumba Injung Mehta, Jake Cheney, Tatum Grass, maybe even a younger Sanborn and Brian Sanborn. All these guys are likely going to be in the mix, but in terms of who actually gets maybe the, the first crack at that inside linebacker spot, is going to be something to watch for. I'd, I'd say Turner probably has a small lead and the rest of the pack. Maybe Tatum Grass is, is is a close number two, but I wouldn't say that either any of those guys have ran away with any sort of job. So who emerges? And you're not going to have established starters in spring ball. It's just more so for coaches to get their systems implemented, get their philosophies implemented, and kind of get a first glimpse at some of these guys. But who kind of emerges and 
puts themselves on at the top of the leaderboard as they then turn to fall is going to be something really important to pay attention to. And when you don't have a veteran to fall back on, it's kind of a wide open race and should be a fun storyline to watch throughout the spring football season. In addition to inside linebacker, cornerback is going to be another spot that has plenty of production to have to replace as well. You've got Fayon Hicks gone. You've got Caesar Williams gone. So now you've got, and you also have Dean Ingram who's switching to the offensive side of the ball, that you're going to have plenty of reps to replace there as well. And if you guys recall, Wisconsin was very busy in the transfer portal this past season to try and address some of those issues. So which guys kind of emerge as possible starters in that group is going to be really fun to watch, you know. In terms of transfers, they brought in Charleston Clark from Toledo. He was a guy that played a lot uh, at, at Toledo, a multi-year starter. You also have Cedric Dort from Kentucky. He was a starter in the SEC, so you would expect for him to come to the Big Ten and, and Wisconsin and, and compete for first reps right away. You also have Jay Shaw from UCLA, who's a player that was, was formerly at, with the Bruins and a name to a second team, all Pac-12 by the Associated Press. So all three of those guys have played high-level football. You know, SEC, Pac-12, even Toledo in the MAC, a high-level program in that contract in that conference. So, all these guys are going to come in and try and nab two starter spots. And you're certainly you'll roll with a, a slot corner as well. But a lot of these guys are, are going to come in competing for limited reps. In addition to that, though, you've got younger guys and guys that have been with the program that aren't just going to roll over and and let these transfers take their spots. You've got. A lot of recruits that they've been after the last few years. You've got Alexander Smith, who's still in that room. You've got guys like Ricardo Holman, Max Lofi, Samar Melvin, guys that have played a little bit in their careers and won't just you know allow these older transfer guys to come in and, and not earn their spot. So the last few years, you've had a pretty deep cornerback room with a lot of competition in there. I think it's fair to assume that that will not change at all this spring. You're going to have guys competing. And I'd still say the transfers like the Dorts and and Jay Shaw are probably going to be your guys to start. But Jim Leonard does not just hand things out to uh, a defensive guy just based on pedigree at his former school. He's got to come in and fit with the system, fit with what they want to do defensively in terms of identity. And if they don't do that, some of these younger guys that have been competing for trying to move up the depth chart are going to certainly kind of you know take advantage and try and pick that off. So I think in terms of defensively, the, the secondary is certainly going to be a group to watch for and a fun storyline to keep an eye on. And that goes for safety as well. You're going to have guys, you don't have Scott Nelson back, you don't have Colin Wilder back, so you're going to have new safeties in that room as well. Torchio is a guy that's played a lot of football. Ken Hunter Wohler, a highly regarded re- recruit at that safety position, Nagus starting spot. Does Travion Blaylock you know, finally become the guy that you wanted to see him? I think that whole secondary room is going to have some competition to watch for, and I'm excited to see what this group can do in, in terms of the back end. So plenty of competition there, and certainly a storyline to keep an eye on across the entire secondary. Last but not least in terms of storyline is certainly the defensive line. I mean, you look at the defensive line, you're going to have a key piece back in Keanu Benton. That's huge in terms of what you're building. And then beyond that, you've got a guy in Isaiah Mullins who you feel really comfortable about. You're going to have to replace some production in Matt Henningsen. You've got a guy that was, I think will go down as a very underrated Badger, and now you're going to have to try and look to him and, and see who replaces him in that spot. You've got Rodas Johnson, Cade McDonald, Isaac Townsend, James Thompson Jr. is probably the leader in the clubhouse, but you'll have to see uh, some production from him as well. So Rosh Kalaji has got a group here that he's going to have to figure out where he wants to go with as well. So I think defensively, that's probably in terms of storylines of, of important. I think you feel probably best about your defensive line right now. You feel good about the cornerback room. 
I think you just need to get these guys into the system and and you'll feel a lot comfortable more comfortable about it when you finally see them mesh in there but defensive line is still a, a piece that you're going to have to pay attention to there as well and even after that outside linebacker is going to be a spot to look for as well you've got to replace Noah Burks you've got Nick Herbig who you feel good about but who steps up and, and takes over that second outside linebacker spot is it CJ Getz is it Aaron Witt is it Spencer Lytle that's going to be another storyline to, to keep an eye on as well. So there's plenty on this defensive end. I don't think nearly as pressing as some of these offensive storylines. And nothing's overly pressing in spring football. It's spring football for a reason. We've got a long time before September 3rd. But it's a nice, I guess, way to get a baseline of where this team's at. Some of the guys that might emerge might be players. And again, it's just storylines to watch. Nothing's going to be set in stone, concrete, here in, on, on March 22nd when they get going. But I think for these position coaches and all these changes and all these new implementations in terms of schemes and philosophy, this is going to be important uh, and a, an important spring for Wisconsin football as they move forward. You've got a new offense that you're getting worked in. You've got position coaches that have moved all over the place. You've got new new position coaches coming in. You've got you know a guy like Gary Brown not going to be in there. So you've got the running back rooms that you're going to have to to try and implement new stuff as well. So I think in terms of spring importance, this is a really important spring for the Badgers just to get some of that nailed down and not have so much to try and do once you know camp opens in early August because when you hit the when you hit August you've got two weeks of prep kind of get things ramped up and then you're into game week and ready to go so the more that they can get nailed down and feel comfortable about in this spring session certainly the better when you think about all these offseason overhauls and changes that they've got to deal with. All in all, though, should be exciting spring. Excited to see that football is back, and that will certainly be a topic of conversation for the podcast as we move forward here. Just an announcement, guys. This is likely going to be the only podcast of the week. I've got some things going on later in the week, and now we're going to kind of move into a slower part of the year. But if anything major happens, maybe I'll try and do a short recording just to update you guys on any sort of news, talk about any sort of basketball or football that comes on the wire. But this is likely going to be at least at an at-length episode, uh, the only one for the week. Maybe we have a short, smaller one just to recap some stuff later in the week. As always, though, hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope you enjoyed listening to some basketball as we wrap up that season and turn the attention to spring football and kind of give you some storylines to look for. As always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin.